Luke chapter number one. How many are glad that you know the reason for the season this morning? Boy, I sure am glad that tomorrow we're going to open up presents, we're going to gather with family, and we're going to have a wonderful time, but I'm thankful we have something a little more deeper than that, something greater than that, and by a little, I probably mean a lot deeper than that, because you could remove all of the other things I'm going to do tomorrow, but if you remove Christ out of my life, I have no hope. I have no help, but with Christ in my life, I don't have to have everything else. And when I do have everything else, I view it with the proper perspective. It is a blessing from God and a privilege that he's given me with. Look, look, Luke chapter number one this morning. Go down to verse number 26, and we'll almost wrap up our study. We'll do that tonight. And uh, we're going to look at little Mary this morning uh, and just give it a little put on my heart as a co-star. And then tonight we'll look at the star of the story, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 26. The Bible says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Don't you remember when God took you from a place of fear to a place of favor, of acceptance? What did you do? You just accepted him. And his grace took you from a place of fear to a place of favor. Look at verse 31. And thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary to the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. To Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much again for this morning. Lord, thank you for passing by. Thank you, Lord, for knowing where we are and knowing exactly how to get to us, knowing what we need far before we ever realize it and even come to the understanding that it is a need in our life, Lord, you've already provided and made the way possible. We thank you, Lord, as we gather together as a church family today on Christmas Eve, anticipating tomorrow and looking forward to the time we will have. Lord, thank you, Lord, that above all of that, we have a great reminder of what this season's really about. We are thankful, Lord, that you were willing to come to earth for us. 
Lord, when we could not get to where you were, you came to where we were and made a way for us to get to where you are. And Lord, we are looking forward to the day, Lord, we sang joy to the world. Lord, we're looking forward to the day where our faith will be made sight. God, you'll call us out of this world and Lord, we'll spend eternity in heaven with you. We ask you this morning that you work in our hearts Would you hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, you me out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the spirit of God. Lord, I ask you this morning, you work in individual hearts. Lord, make the message personable and real to every person that's in here today. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here they don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, they have yet to receive the greatest gift ever known to man. Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd work in their hearts this morning. Save them by your grace. Draw them and change their life. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We'll give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You may have a seat. Thank you so much for standing and thank you again for joining us this morning. We started back in the beginning of December, we started a series and I titled, What a Story. We've talked about the Christmas story and how year after year we, we try our best to, to make it interesting, to make it in a sense entertaining when we have our Christmas play and our Christmas programs. We just had ours last week and we had a wonderful time, but I am thankful this morning as we read and year after year as we return to the Christmas story, it is always the same. It never changes. It is the same characters, the same plot, the same story, the same turnout, the same results. And for that, I am happy this morning because if that story changes, so does everything else. And we've been looking at, we looked at Luke, the narrator. We've looked at the shepherds and the wise men. We looked at Joseph last Sunday morning. And this morning, we're gonna focus in on this little lady named Mary. And as we get started, I wanna ask you a question. It's a real deep theological question. Do you have any Christmas traditions you are a stickler for? In essence, there are certain things you do this time of the year and you are not going to budge off of them. You're not going to step back from them. It's either get with the program or get out of the way. Right, maybe, maybe you've got some things. Maybe you're one of those that say, listen, no Christmas trees are allowed to be placed on the properties that I own until after Thanksgiving. Right, or at least December 1st and no, no trees go up until it's at least December, and maybe you're a stickler for that, or maybe you're one of those people that in July, we might as well get a head start on the holidays. Let's put up the Christmas tree. We'll put American flags on it, change it around for the, the sea. I remember growing up, that was unheard of. No, but, but now it's the new thing to do. And maybe you're a stickler for that. Maybe, maybe you're a stickler for when do you open presents? Oh, you don't touch a present until Christmas morning. Or maybe you're a little gracious. You know what? We'll get, let you open one on Christmas Eve. My parents always had it where we were allowed to open up one Christmas present on Christmas Eve. We just weren't allowed to pick it. Because <laughs> me, I wanted to pick the biggest and the best one. And my mom would hand us, we got to open up one. Or, or maybe, maybe, maybe this morning you, 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 you have a, a tradition or that you're, you're, you're just stuck on the fact that when you do open up presents, either everybody opens them up at the same time or one by one, everybody takes a turn to open their presents. Can I say, to be honest with you, I enjoy the first, uh, the first way of doing that where everybody does it the same because you don't understand the pressure that can be put upon you. When all of your extended family staring right at you and you know you've got that family member whose gift-giving abilities and selection is a little bit out there. 
and you're going to open up something you're probably not going to have any earthly idea what it is and now you've got to be excited. But maybe you have some traditions this morning that you're, you're a stickler for. You're, you're not going to back off them. You have that tenacity about them. You are, you are, that, is, that is your thing. You're going to get everybody in line with it. May I encourage you, it's wonderful to have that, but may we sometimes take that same attitude, that same tenacity, that same desire and apply it to the truth of God's word that there's certain things I'm just not going to bend on, I'm not going to give in, I'm not going to compromise, we're going to have to agree to disagree, and that's that. Can I say this morning in my heart and my life, one of those issues is the issue of the virgin birth of Christ. I'm not backing down off of it this morning. I'm not sidestepping it. I'm not agreeing uh, to for, for, for numbers sake and for popularity's sake. Can I say I firmly believe 100% in my heart that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And I got to think about this. I was preparing that this, for this morning and I got to thinking about this. It's something I learned as a young boy. I grew up, we went to church on, we went to church regularly, no doubt I grew up Catholic, and so things are uh, quite different than, from how they are now. If you would ask eight-year-old Tate, uh, do you really think one day you'll be a Baptist preacher and pastor? I'd have said, what is that? I didn't know what a Baptist was until I moved down here. But I remember growing up, we, we were taught it over and over and over again that Mary was a virgin. So from a little child, I just took it as truth when they told us that, well, obviously that man said she was, so she must have been a virgin when she gave birth to Christ. Now, eight-year-old Tate didn't understand all the complexities and all the things that happened for, in order for that to actually take place. And, and, but as I begin to grow up, God has taken that childlike faith where as a child, I just said it must be true because it, 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 it's what they told me. But as I've grown older, now at the age of 33, God has not waxed less on that. God has actually taken that truth that I believed as a child and actually cemented it deep down in my heart and gave me some reasons why this morning that I firmly believe that Mary was a virgin. Well, preacher, could you give me some? Of course. Notice, first of all, it was noted. Verse 27, notice what the Bible says, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Well, preacher, my Bible says a young woman. My Bible says a young lady. May I encourage you to get a new Bible? May I encourage you to get one that does not discredit or try to disprove God's word. And here's the thing this morning, it's noted, you can call God a liar if you want to. Just don't ask me to join you. God said she was a virgin. And therefore I believe she's a virgin or was a virgin. Not only was it noted, but notice this, it was necessary for Mary to be a virgin. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And one of the things that they're going to try to tell you, well, well, Mary had a child that God himself then came in and took over. No, God himself was formed in the womb of Mary, who was a virgin, and it was necessary, because had Jesus just been a, any other person, had he just been any other man conceived like any other person, person, he would have had a sin nature. And so we see this morning it was necessary for this little lady to be a virgin. 
Not only was it noted and necessary, but notice this, it was needed. It was needed. Romans chapter five, verses six through eight. The Bible says, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God committeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we see this morning, it was needed. In essence, tonight, this morning, as much as I love you and as much as you love me and we care one for another, there is one thing that we could not do for each other and that is to die for each other and pay for each other's sin debt. Now, I may protect your physical life by giving my own life, but I could not forgive your sin debt. Why, I too am a sinner. And we see this morning that none of us could do what was needed for each other, but Jesus could. And it was needed that he be born of a virgin. That way he would not be tainted with the same sin nature that you and I have. And so this morning, I just don't believe that Mary, Mary was a virgin. I sure am thankful that she was because it made my salvation possible. Not only can we see and know that Mary was a virgin, but I want to give you some observations that I, as I was studying, I came across and some characteristics about her that are wonderful and they help me and I hope they will help you as well this morning. Notice number one, Mary had a specific function. I don't know why I picked that word. It's such a hard word for me to say, the word specific. But she had a specific or particular function. One of the greatest lies Satan has led churches to believe is if you do it just like them, if you imitate them, you'll have the same success that they are having too. And it's the same thing in your Christian life. I've got to be just like so-and-so, and I've got to do it just like they're doing it. If I do it just like they're doing it, then God is going to bless it. Here's the dangerous thing about imitation. It robs the Holy Spirit of leading in your life. Because we're going to see this morning what God does for Mary and in Mary and through Mary, he doesn't do for anybody else prior to or after. And so Mary didn't have anybody else that she could model her life with in a, in a particular, in a, in a, a just a you know, word for word, same action for action kind of way. Mary couldn't go back to history and say, well, there was one like me, or go to the future and say, there's going to be one like me. She was the only virgin to give birth to a child. And so we're going to see here this morning that she had a specific function. And notice here, notice here there was a specific identification. In essence, God didn't say, well, you know what, I'm going to pick you. I'm just going to guess. I'm going to throw this out there to somebody and hope somebody catches this. No, look at verses 26 through 27. You see a lot of specifics. Notice there was a specific time. It said in the sixth month of the year, the angel Gabriel, there was a specific angel. There was a specific city. It was a city of Galilee named Nazareth. There was a specific criteria. She had to be a virgin. There was a specific spouse. She had to be a spouse of a man named Joseph. Right, there was a specific, I told you, specific lineage was the house of David. There was even a specific name, Mary. In essence, when all this was said and done, Mary can step back and say, I think you got the wrong one. I, I, I think you, you picked the wrong person. No, God said there are too many specific, I got who I wanted. I got who I desired. There are specific things or even just one thing that God specifically wants you to do. 
And we're going to have to fight the temptation and say, Lord, you picked the wrong person. Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not good enough. Lord, I'm not smart enough. Lord, I don't have the, 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 the capabilities, the education, the social standing, the bank account. Lord, I don't have, he, listen, God don't make mistakes. If God is dealing with your heart about a specific action, know that he is specifically dealing with you and it's one of those that he is expecting you and desiring and wants you to do it. Matter of fact, Mary's great thing was specific to her. Not only was there a specific uh, identification, but there was a specific salutation. In essence, here comes the angel of the Lord. Gabriel begins to speak, and Mary gets a, a salutation, a greeting uh, that, that you don't find anywhere else in the Bible. God didn't greet Moses like this. God did not greet Abraham like this. God did not greet David like this. But here, the angel Gabriel has a specific salutation from the Lord unto Mary. Look at verse number 28. The Bible said, and the angel came unto her and said, hail. When's the last time someone looked at you and said, hail? Right around here, we, get, we, we might think you've mispronounced something. We're fixing to fight. <laughs> but that word hail, it means to rejoice. It means full of cheer. And so you got to understand the angel of the Lord, the messenger of God coming to people. We talked about this with the shepherds. The shepherds were so afraid because they thought the angel was bringing judgment. And here comes Gabriel, wherever Mary is at this moment, just pops into her life and says, rejoice. Be of good cheer. Why? The Bible said, verse number 20, thou art highly favored. Thou art highly Favorite. It means to endue with special honor, to make accepted. Well, let me ask you, what made Mary accepted? What made Mary such an honorable person with a special honor? Well, look at verse 28. The Lord is with thee. May I encourage you this morning that Mary was of like passions and of like mind as you and I. And the reality is what makes you and I rejoice this morning it not the presence underneath the tree. It is not the traditions we celebrate as a family, though they are fun and though they are wonderful and though we look forward to them. What brings great joy to us this morning? Why do we get up to church? Why do we enjoy church? Why do we come here with a smile on our face expecting and wondering what God is going to do for us today? Because the Lord is with thee. She had a specific salutation. She was highly favored. She was blessed. Look at verse 28. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Not that Mary was a better woman than everybody else, but that she would be praised among women. Why? There wasn't but one Mary that gave birth to Jesus Christ. That name, when you hear that name, all our minds go back to Christmas. When you hear the name Mary, it's synonymous with the birth of Christ. When you hear the names like Rachel and Leah, it goes back to the Old Testament. When you hear names like Delilah and Jezebel, we say those ain't good names right there. But the name Mary, oh, I knew a little virgin named Mary. She gave birth to Jesus Christ. And this blessing in her life has come from this action. She's been consecrated for a specific thing. Not only has she had a specific identification and salutation, but verse 31, she had a specific instruction. Look at verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb <laughs> and bring forth the son and shall call his. Now, I was about to ask you, y'all ever notice something like us preaching, but kind of got to be preaching to notice it. 
But I, I just read something. I noticed it. I'll get to it at the end of the sermon. Look at verse number 31. She had a specific instruction. She was to take that which she had received from God, which was his son Jesus, and introduce him to the world. Behold, thou shalt bring forth and conceive, excuse me, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the son and shalt call his name Jesus. Jehovah saves, or Jehovah is salvation, is what Jesus means. And so here's her instruction. She is to take the son of God, whom God has placed within her womb, and bring him forth and declare to the world his name is Jesus. Well, that sounds like a declaration that we have as well. That sounds like an instruction that we have, Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are to take what God has given us, which is his son, who now dwells on the inside, and to go to a lost and dying world and say, listen, his name is Jesus, and he can save you from your sins. Mary had a specific function. She had a specific identification, a salutation, a specific instruction we know that Mary did what God specifically desired for her to do. Could the same be said about you? Notice number one, Mary had a specific function. Notice number two, Mary had a sensible faith. Mary had a sensible faith, verses 31 through 38. We'll look at this out of Luke chapter one. But let me ask, you ever met somebody who's just real good at everything? Whatever they do, they're just the best at it, right? And not only that, they put everybody else to shame. It's like no effort, no training, no, no even thought about it, and they just outdo everybody. Can I say Mary had an opportunity here to outdo the greatest men that we call the Hall of Faith, the forefathers of Israel? How, preacher? Well, the angel of the Lord comes and gives her this instruction, gives her these directions, and she had an opportunity to outdo all those men. She could have easily with a, ah, oh, yes, this must be, I must be the virgin that they prophesied about, uh, that Isaiah was speaking of. It is so wonderful to see all my preparation has paid off for this supreme honor. But she responded just like the great men of faith. Abraham, David, Moses, Gideon. Look at verse number 31. Excuse me, verse number uh, 34. And then Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. Put in good Hesper language, Mary said, what? Huh? How can this be? Can, can I get real Christianity over here with you? Boy, how many of us say, preacher, I wish that when God began to deal with my heart about things, I was that immediate response. Oh, yes, Lord, I have been preparing for this moment. I have been waiting for this. I am so excited. I seen this coming down the pipe. I knew what you were planning, Lord, and I have been waiting here. I am your servant. Right? How many have responded to God with a What? How can this be? How can this happen to me? And we're going to see out of this question, we see a sensible faith come from Mary. Questions are not signs of weak faith, but of a sensible faith. They help us to recognize our limits and our inabilities. Right? I, 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 we, can, we, can, we can sympathize with Mary here because God has literally told her something that is impossible that she cannot do by herself and it's going to be done. And she said, how can this be? And can I say sometimes in your life when God begins to deal with your heart about certain things and certain actions, you're going to step back and say, that's impossible. How can this be? Now, we, we notice the question that she asked her, how can this be? She wasn't questioning what God could do. Right? She knew God could do anything. 
He's, he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of Moses that split the Red Sea. He's the God of Elijah and Elisha. He's the God of all those great Old Testament saints. No doubt Mary understood what he could do. Her question, she wasn't questioning what God could do. She was asking God how he was going to do it. She just didn't know how it could be done. Now, how many notice this morning and know this morning that we know God can do anything? Right, he's God alone. He sits high. Nobody sits above him. He's got all power, all strength, and all might. We know God could do anything, but how many have got some questions? Lord, how are you going to do that? How's that going to happen, Lord? And notice the response in verse number 35. God told her exactly how it was going to happen. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. There is an explanation there. It's not very in-depth, though. The Holy Ghost is going to overshadow thee. And, and what's it going on to say? And, and that which is in thee, the holy thing shall be born, shall be called the Son of God. He shall come upon thee, and the highest shall overshadow thee. We understand how somehow this took place. And though we can't explain it in a physical sense, and God doesn't really take the time and say, all right, Mary, sit down. Let me go over the specifics with you of how this is going to happen. Get out your notepad, Mary. Take notes. I'm going to give you the scientific explanation of how this is going to happen. No, he said, here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Ghost will come upon thee. The highest is going to overshadow thee. And there will be a son in your womb. He's going to be the son of God, the very son of God. Nothing in depth or scientific. The answer was more of who was going to do it. It wasn't necessarily a how, but it was more of a who was going to do it. God himself, notice verse 35, we have all three members of the Trinity there. The highest, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, and then the Son, God the Holy, or God the Son, right? We see that this morning, that we see all three of them there. And so he gives them the understanding that, listen, all, it's not how, but who is going to do it. And sometimes in our life, our answers aren't so much how you're going to do it, Lord, but who's going to do it? Because here's the thing this morning, we're sitting in a room full of people who got a whole lot of how questions. How are you going to put my life back together? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? Here's a question. None of us, here's, here's the reality. None of us have the answer to the how. God does, and thankfully, when we don't know the answer to the how, we do know the answer to who. God can, and God is able to. Thankfully, we have the same who that Mary did. But then he goes on to verse 36. He gives her a personal illustration. He said, now, Mary, it's not exactly like what you're going through, but why don't you go talk to Elizabeth, your cousin, for she's with child. But Mary said, excuse me? Old Aunt Elizabeth? Yep, she's with child. And so they go there and they begin to converse one with another. The Bible tells us in another portion, they begin to talk one with another. And that action of faith in Mary and that action of faith in Elizabeth, they encourage one another. There's a personal explanation, or illustration, but then there was a practical uh, explanation. Look at verse 37. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Mary, don't worry about it. I know your mind is, is running a million miles an hour trying to figure it out. And, you're, and every, every scenario you're running back to, this is impossible. The angel says, don't worry, Mary, nothing's impossible with God. God is able to. And then once she gets this illustration of Elizabeth, and once she gets this explanation from the angel in verse 37, there is a prompt acceptance in verse 38. And Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And can I say, in your life, it's going to be the same way. 
God's going to put something big in your heart. God's going to ask you to do something. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you and direct you. And you're going to say, Lord, how is that even possible? How can that be? He'll give you a a practical and a personal illustration. He'll take you and say, well, if I could do that for Gideon, if I could do that for David, if I could do that for Moses, if I could do that for Paul and Peter, then I can do it for you. Or he'll even go let you look around in the church and say, don't you know what I did for them? Just remember how I was faithful for so-and-so. If I can do that for them, then I can do that for you. And then there will be a practical explanation. He'll always tie his action to a verse. You'll be reminded, for nothing is impossible with God. And where we have to find ourselves in verse 38, will there be an acceptance in our heart? Lord, it's impossible. I know it is, but I know you are the God of the impossible. And Lord, I know you did it for them, and that's wonderful. Lord, I believe you can do it for me. So here right now, Lord, I accept what you're asking me to do. Whether it's to share the gospel, to to read my Bible, to pray more, to give, whatever it is, Lord, I, I know you're dealing with my heart. And so, Lord, you've explained it to me. You've given me a promise. Now I'm going to accept it, Lord. And by faith, I'm going to trust you. What did Mary trust? Mary didn't trust as soon as she felt the baby kick. Mary didn't trust when she seen the sonogram of Jesus. The Bible said in verse 38, And Mary, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be unto me according to thy word. You know, Mary had the same thing to go off that you and I do. The Word of God. The Word of God. That's why I love my Bible because it doesn't change. That's why I love my Bible because it's always faithful. That's why I love my Bible because it always tells me what I need to know. And there's things in life that I could not anchor down to a song. I could not anchor down to an experience. I could not anchor down to just counsel, but I could anchor it down to a verse. And in the darkest moments, I found that verse was still true. Mary had a sensible faith. Let me ask you, are you still doubting the Lord over things he's already promised you he could do? Then notice not only that she had a sensible faith and a specific function, but notice this, Mary had a singular focus. A singular focus. And I told you, I've, and most of you know this about me, I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church, and, and unfortunately they have elevated Mary to a place where she should not be. Nor a place that she even put herself. Or titles that she gave to herself. Mary never once referred to herself as the Queen of Heaven. Mary once never said, pray to me and I'll pass it on to Jesus. Mary, not, Mary never once took her place as an as a elevated position co-equal with God. No, Mary said, I'm a handmaiden. Nothing more than a lowly servant of God. God never elevated to a place and Mary never did herself. Matter of fact, we're going to see this morning that she, she never really focused on herself. She never stood back and said, listen, ladies, you're doing great, wonderful, but are you giving birth to Jesus? No, I didn't think so. She didn't call up the the media and say, listen, I I would like an interview and a book tour. I'm going to write a book on how to give birth to Jesus. And I'll sign your copy for $99.99. No matter of fact, she didn't become focused on herself. We're going to see this more. She became focused on the Lord. Verse 46, she wasn't blessed because of what she was going to do. She was blessed because of what he was going to do through her. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. He goes on to say in verse 47, my spirit rejoiced in God, my Savior. Verse 48, there's a fancy word. They call it the magnificent. Other Bibles call it the song of Mary. She begins to get focused on God. She says, my soul and my spirit have rejoiced in him. 
are grateful for him. In verse 48, she just begins to praise him. Look at verse 48. The Bible said, For he hath regarded the low state of his handmaid. Mary said, I didn't come from anything. I'm a nobody. I, most people don't know about me, don't know my name, don't care about me. But God in heaven knew where I was. God in heaven knew who I was. And he came to where I was. And now he's doing a great work in my life. Can I say this morning, you won't find my name on a whole lot of highfalutin roles. I don't have much popularity, much social status. I don't have a social media following at all. But can I say this more? The very God of heaven knows where I am. He knows where 2494 Patilla Road is. He knows where 4391 Peach Orchard Road is. He knows where I am this morning. Though nobody else may even care, God knows where you are this morning. Verse 48 and 49, and he that is mighty hath done me great things and holy is. Let me, God ever done anything great for you? <laughs> I'm, I'm fixing to praise the Lord with Mary this morning. Look at verse 50. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Aren't you glad this morning that mercy didn't stop at this generation or the generation before that, but from generation to generation. Matter of fact, every morning God's mercies are brand new. You ever experienced God's mercy? Oh, I have this morning. Look at verse 51. He has showed strength with his arm. God ever done something mighty for you? God ever bared his arm for you? you? Do you realize that the very God of heaven, the God of the universe, who makes sure the moon and the stars and the and earth is rotating exactly where every bird is being fed, every wave is stopping where it's supposed to stop, and yet he makes time for you and I to bear his mighty arm and do a great work of strength in our life. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Verse 32, he hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them in a low degree. Well, how many God had to knock you off your seat? And you're grateful that he did. He dealt with your prideful heart. He let you know you weren't big enough and bad enough. But he found out he was. And he was strong enough. Verse 34, he hath filled the hungry with good. God ever gave you a good thing? <laughs> now, I don't know about you. When I get hungry, I'll take anything. Except for peace. I'd be real hungry. <laughs> Amen. I never get put in a POW camp. Just please don't tell them I don't like peace. I'll give all the secrets up. <laughs> I'm just picking this morning. But notice, when we get, here's the problem. There's, we live around a whole lot of hungry people. They're hungering for something they can't find outside of God. They're turning to everything else and it's not satisfying them. How many know what that was like? You tried and you tried and you tried. Well, how many, when you came to him hungry, he gave you a good thing? Just give you any good, he gave you a good thing. Look at verse number uh, 53, and the rich he has sent away, or sent empty away. Verse 54, he hath hoped or he held fast his servant Israel. In essence, the reason why Israel was still around and still, still where they were, it wasn't because they had great might and great skill and, and great ability. It's because God had held them fast. In remembrance of his mercy, he had made a covenant with Abraham. You bless me, I'll bless you. If, you. if you serve me, I will take care of you, make you a blessing to all people. And Abraham didn't swear it to God. God swore it to himself. Made a covenant with himself to promise and to bless Abraham. He spake to our fathers and to Abraham and to his seed forever. How many glad you got a Bible this morning? Why? That tells you God still speaks. And he's still speaking forever, amen? But we go through all these things and here is Mary talking about the Lord. Talking about God who is now in her womb. 
But let me ask you, how in the world did Mary know all of this about the Lord and she hadn't met him yet? What do you mean, preacher? Well, I don't know about you. I didn't meet any of my children until they were born. I mean, I've seen them on the sonogram. I've seen their little hands and feet kicking through the belly a couple times. I've seen them doing 360s and barrel rolls in the womb. But I couldn't tell you what colors eyes I had until she was born. I couldn't tell you how big T.R.'s head was until he was born. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you what kind of personality Raylan would have until she was born. Though I knew them in that sense and I knew they were mine, I had yet to meet them. As a matter of fact, as I'm living with them, I'm learning more and more about them. But if, I would, if you would have put me in Mary's shoes in that sense with my own children, I, I can't tell you what Raylan's going to do 10 years from now. I don't know where life is going to take TR 20 years from now. No idea if Silas going to save the world or not one day. But here's Mary. She's talking about the Lord like she's already met him, though she hasn't, in the flesh. So preacher, how in the world could she talk about Jesus like she met him, but she hasn't met him? Here's the answer. She already met him. <laughs> preacher, you just said that she hasn't, but she had, not in the flesh, but by faith. <laughs> Prove it, preacher. Oh, I'm so glad you asked me. Look at verse 45. And blessed is she that believe. Is that an action of faith? Believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. She had been by faith. She had believed the word that was given to her from the angel that he was the son of God. But then notice this. The Bible said, and Mary said in verse 46, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Verse 47, in my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary stepped back and said, I haven't laid eyes on him yet. I haven't held him in my hands yet. I haven't seen him grow up yet. But can I tell you, I've already met him. In what she had learned by faith, one day, one day was cemented when she met him in the flesh. She found out he was exactly who he said he was. Preacher, that's great for Mary, but what about me? Well, let me ask you. What color eyes does Jesus have? How big are his hands? How tall was he? Oh, preacher, I don't know. I've never met him in the flesh. If you're like me, I haven't met him in the flesh either but I've met him by faith. Where'd you meet him? At the foot of Calvary. The day I got born again, by faith I met the Lord Jesus Christ and now I have a personal relationship with me. But here's the thing, everything that I've learned by faith so far, one day I'll see him in the flesh. <laughs> well, aren't you glad this morning? We haven't met him yet, but we've met him. Go home and say, what'd your preacher preach on? Well, he told me that I met God without ever meeting him. What? <laughs> you, you have to go listen to the tape. <laughs> the tape. <laughs> we just took it back to the 90s, y'all. <laughs> she already met him by faith, though she hadn't met him in the flesh. And we've already met him by faith. And one day, we're going to meet him in the flesh. See him eye to eye. Look at those hands and that side and those feet. Those marks, those scars that bought our redemption. 
and everything we've learned about him by faith. Boy, I can't wait to see it, have my eyes opened and see him for who he really is. Mary had a singular focus. Let me ask you this morning, where's your focus at? I know it's Christmas Eve. I know some of y'all probably want to leave out of here and try to find a store to find something for somebody. You've procrastinated. You've, you, you're already stressed out. Can I encourage you to take a deep breath and get your focus back where it's supposed to be? We know the reason for the season. We've already met them by faith. And if they get a present on Christmas or the day after, they're really not going to be bothered by it. I encourage you to get your focus back where it's supposed to be. You've got about 24 hours until Christmas morning comes around. And can I, preacher, I want to have a good Christmas. We'll get your focus where it's supposed to be. Remember that everything you do tomorrow is a blessing. And that if you have the reason for the season, Jesus Christ, you have everything to be thankful for. Mary had a singular focus. Where is your focus at this morning? She had a sensible faith. What is God asking you to do? And you just keep telling him no. She had a specific instruction. Singular faith. A sensible faith. And a singular focus. Let's all stand this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Where is your